0: The Cardinals drop another one at Wrigley. Arenado gets ejected, but Pujols does something special for a youngster after the game that will make you say, aw. And we're going to answer some of your questions today in our weekly mailbag, including one about the 2023 schedule, which got released all on today's episode of Locked On Cardinals. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there Cardinal fans, I'm J.D. Haffron, I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. You can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast. We're also on YouTube. If you haven't seen us there yet, be sure to stop on by, like, and subscribe, and comment so you can interact with us. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. I don't want to sugarcoat things because when you play bad teams, you're supposed to beat them, and the Cardinals played another stale game last night at Wrigley, losing to the Cubs 7-1. to And this was with Miles Michaelis on the mound, one of of your top starters, going up against a guy that the Cubs had to call up from AAA to make the start. He is a veteran. It's not like he's some rookie who didn't know what he was doing out there. But still, Luke Farrell is who you faced. You should beat Luke Farrell. Certainly a game you expect to win, but apparently it wasn't meant to be on this August night in Chi-Town. Now, first off, lineup-wise, you had no Goldschmidt. He got the night off. Ali did have Newton Donovan at the top of the order, as we'd hoped he would against right-handers. It appears that that's what he's going to try to do moving forward, which makes sense because they they hit well against right-handers. Donovan was playing first base in this one. Then you had Arnado. Gorman hitting cleanup at second. O'Neal in center field. Dickerson in left field. Pujols DHing against the righty, which, you know, you don't see that all too often, but it's been swinging a hot bat. Molina behind the plate. Edmund at shortstop. So Ali moving people around, trying to get as many, lefties as he can in the lineup, also resting Goldie, Carlson, DeYoung. So no no issues here. You got to rest your guys. All right. So top of the second we go. Corey Dickerson gets his fifth consecutive hit. He gets a double, gets stranded in the bottom of the inning. And uh, this is when Michaelis hits his first bump in the road. Lead off single, then a walk, then another single. So just like the bases, it's just like that. Bases are loaded. Nobody's out. That's not good. Never ideal. Uh, you need a double play ball here, and Michaelis does get the ground ball, but unfortunately, it wasn't hit very hard. It was into the hole between short and third. So Edmund, who was there playing shortstop, had to go to his right. Goes and gets it, gets the force out at second, but a run scores one to nothing. Then Velazquez works a full count, gets a hanging slider over the heart of the plate, drives it over Dickerson's head in left field for a double. Would Tyler O'Neill have had that ball if he had been in left field instead of center field? Maybe. Maybe. Um, but miles missed his spot, uh, plain and simple on this one over the heart of the plate gets burned run scores, two to nothing. Next guy is McKinstry. who has been a, like a thorn in the side. I feel like his name has popped up this whole series fouls off four in a row. Tough at bad before he grounds out to Gorman at second, another run scores. Now it's three to nothing top of the third. We go, and here's where things got heated with two, one and two out Aranato comes up to the plate. He's got a chance to get the team back in the game. All right. Uh he works a full count, seven pitches, and Farrell throws a fastball low and away. Nolan check swings on it. But the home plate umpire rings him up, says he swung. It's out number 3. Nolan Ar- Arnato does not like this. Not one bit. And in situations like this, you normally would see the home plate umpire ask the first base ump, first base ump for some help that's what they do they point down there and they're like hey did he go yes no you that's how you figure it out you know you want to get the call right you want to make sure the the batter didn't swing in a situation like this uh instead home plate umpire john lipka makes the call rung him up and that's his prerogative he doesn't have to ask for help but knowing the gravity of the moment in the game and feeling it in the swing are protests and uh he gets pretty demonstrative is a good way to say it. Um, kind of like flexes in anger. And a couple of times he, he you hear him yelling, no, no, no. And he's like flexing and he, he's worked up. And perhaps he said something else, but the mics didn't pick that up. And uh, he turns away from the umpire, starts to take his helmet off as if the situation is over. And after a brief, and I and I timed this out, actually, a brief four-second encounter with the umpire there where Nolan says no and then starts to take his helmet off. Only four seconds goes by there. And again, I don't know if he said something harsh in there, but Lipka says, okay, and ejects him, throws him out. And he does it while he's smiling, which irked a lot of people. Ollie comes out and is like, what the hell? That's a quick friggin' trigger. You can read his lips, but he doesn't say friggin'. <laughs> he says the real word. And I know the rule is you can't argue balls and strikes, and we know how fiery Arenado gets because he's a highly competitive guy. It's one of the reasons why we love him. Good or bad, no matter what the situation is, if he does something good or bad, he shows emotion a lot. You've seen him round the bases after a big hit or a home run. He's like, Arr! he fist pumps or When he does something bad and he gets all worked up on himself and he's got to calm down. But to me, this was a situation that seemed like it was over and done with, didn't it? And again, four seconds is all it took. After the first time, Nolan says no and then starts to take his helmet off after he turned away from the umpire. Four seconds went by. And they threw him out. And it was like the, the umpire decided, you know what, I'll show you. And then the smug smiling and the laughing as Arnato starts flipping out after getting ejected. It just looked bad. It didn't look good on the umpire, Lipka. It it seemed like more of a power move instead of a baseball thing, like Arnato had done something so bad, called him a bad name or something. It didn't seem like that. It seemed like it was like a power move to be like, Oh, you're going to talk to me? All right, boom, you're out of here. And that's not why people are supposed to be ejected from the baseball games. That's not why that's there. So it rubbed me and a lot of other fans the wrong way. And the sad part is no one was right. Replay confirmed. He did indeed hold up. And if Lipka had just taken his head out of his butt and done the smart thing and asked for help from the first base umpire, which is what normally happens, all of this is avoided in the first place. After the game, no one said this about the call and ejection. I'm not always right, but I feel like I was right there. And I knew I was because I didn't go around at all. He saw it different. I thought he did for sure. I, I thought he had a quick hook. You could definitely say I overreacted, and at the moment, I probably shouldn't, especially in the third inning and a lot of ball game left. But like I said, I knew I didn't go around, and I was really upset about it. That's why I was so mad. I worked in at, uh, I worked an at bat. There was a man on first and second. It would have been bases loaded with Gorman coming up. It was a tough at bat, and I feel like I did a good job, and I won that at bat as far as getting on base and doing my job. He saw it otherwise. My temper was quick there, but I don't know how else to explain it other than I know I didn't go around. Again, replay shows that he did not. Uh, Manager Ali Marmol asked uh, about it after the game, discussed the ejection as well. The reality is John's behind the plate. He's a really good umpire, and he does a nice job back there the whole way around, consistent and fair. Tonight wasn't handled correctly at all. One, I think he got the call wrong, and he should have checked. Two, that should have been handled completely different with Nolan. There was no reason for an ejection. It impacted the game in the moment, and it impacted the rest of the game with not having one of your best players in the field. Arenado's seventh career ejection, second of the season, and he came into Wednesday, you know, on fire, hitting three forty seven bombs, nine doubles, 22 ribbies, and 21 games in August. So to lose him and already not have Goldschmidt in the lineup, plus you're down three runs already, that's a big hole to climb out of. So, uh... We'll tell you what they did next. We'll continue breaking down the game and tell you what Albert Pujols did last night that almost had a child in tears, but tears of joy. They were happy tears. We'll do that next on Lockdown Cardinals. Now, let me bring up a situation to you. You're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. Say you were watching the game last night. You're having a couple brewskis and you're getting angry about Arnado getting thrown out. And so you order another round and a few becomes a few too many. Now, as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But now you live nearby. Not a big deal, right? You can make it home. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. Well, That's not good. You lose your job. That's even worse. Total the car. Whoa. Uh, Worst case scenario. You hurt yourself. You kill someone. You don't want that. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, do yourself a favor and everyone else. Think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, so back to the game. After Arnada was sent to the showers early, Marmol has to move some dudes around, so DeYoung comes in to play short. Edmund goes to third. nothing Cubs still top of the fourth. Cardinals try to get some momentum going again with two wilds Dickerson singles. Six hits in a row now for Dickerson. You'll notice a theme here with his at-bats. Then Pujols doubles down the line and left, but Yachty grounds out on the first pitch. Ending over. Yachty looks bad, y'all. Yachty looks awful at the plate. His bat looks slow but there's nowhere to hide him in the lineup. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, You want him behind the plate because he's your best catcher. He calls the best games. He does all of that still just fine. Throws out runners, impacts the game that way. Uh, But hitting-wise, wow, it's been rough. He's down to 209 on the year, has shown little to no power all season, not even an extra base hit since coming back from the DL. Anyway, top of five, Lars Dupar rips 2-1 fastball over the wall and right in Lars we trust. 106.4 off the bat, is eighth of the year, cuts the lead to 3-1. He knocks Farrell out of the game. All right, here we go. Maybe we got something going. Top of six, one out, O'Neill singles. Dickerson, he's singles. Make that seven hits in a row now for Corey Dickerson. And then here comes Albert. All right, this is the situation we've been waiting for. He's got a chance to do some damage and inflict a little pain on the Cubs. But no, not tonight. He whiffs on a knuckle curve ball. Then Yachty flies out. Still three to one Cubbies. Uh bottom of seven. Cubs get to Michaelis again, who had settled down and pitched well since the early struggles. Jan Gomes reaches on an arid first by Donovan. Uh Miles gets the next guy, but with one on and two wild Zach McKenstry. There's that dude again. Turns on a slider that was up and in not even a strike, not really that close to being a strike, but hits a bad ball, hits a bad pitch and ends up sending it over the wall. And right second home run of the season for McKinstry. Uh, That makes it five to one Cubs. Michaelis has done six and two thirds, five runs, three earned six hits, one walk, three strikeouts, not awful, but not good enough on this night for the Cardinals to win. I mean, they didn't give him any offense per usual when Michaelis is throwing. I don't know why that is. That's weird. Anyway, Cardinals bring in Henesis Cabrera. He doesn't fare much better. It's not like the Cubs ripped him, but they get a couple of hits off of him in the eighth couple of runs. He goes one in a third, two runs, three hits, one intentional walk. Doesn't strike out anybody. Cabby's still trying to, trying to get out of this rut that he's been in for the last couple of weeks. But the only way to do it is keep sending him out there. So hopefully he gets uh, straightened out here soon. Ninth inning, Dickerson gets another single. Eight consecutive hits. Pretty awesome. But the Cards do nothing with it. They lose 7-1. to one. Oh, for 6 with runners in scoring position. Hard to win when you don't knock the dudes who are on base end. Uh, Dickerson's eight consecutive hits. That's pretty wild, right? Uh, the, the last Cardinal to actually have four hits in consecutive games was Matt Carpenter in 2016. The last to do at Wrigley Field was my man, Ozzie Smith, way back, 1983 on that one. Uh, the team record is three consecutive four-hit games by Stan the Man Musial in 1946. Dickerson's hitting 452 in August and has his overall average up to 268 on the season. Again, give credit to him. He, he's been taking good at bats and um, he's swinging hard and he, he's putting the ball in play and making things happen. So uh, he's one of the guys that is actually hitting in the outfield right now. So you got to keep him in the lineup. In fact, he's uh, in today's lineup. Uh, again, let's see. He is batting uh, cleanup today behind Goldschmidt. So, um, You know, Ollie going with a hot hand, and you can't blame him. I mean, he's got a hot bat right now. So, um, downer of a game, but afterwards, we do have a silver lining here, Cardinal fans. Afterwards, there was a really cool moment behind the Cardinals' dugout. So, I saw this on Twitter following the game. Uh, The account where this was posted is at BobbySTL1936, and it it shows a kid, and it's a video. He's wearing a Molina jersey T-shirt, and he's holding up a little sign that says, Albert, can we trade jerseys? go Cardinals. And I'm not sure if Albert spotted him or someone pointed it out to him after the game. But lo and behold, Albert walks over after the game, peels off his game jersey, slides it under the protective netting behind the dugout and gives it to the youngster. And the look of shock and happiness on that kid's face, absolutely priceless. He's just like, what just happened you can hear what i'm assuming is his dad who's running the camera there like this is happening albert thank you and uh just a cool moment man despite the fact that in the background you can hear that awful go cubs go song <clears throat> barf um what an awesome sight to see someone of albert's stature to do something like that and uh the boy's name which uh in later posts you can read uh, by that by the same account his name is cooper and uh, he put the jersey on as he exited Wrigley last night, and uh, it's hilarious because he's a young kid and it's like a nightgown on him. <laughs> so um, just just a cool moment, cool photos. So if you get a chance, go uh, see that. I, I retweeted it under the uh, Locked On Cardinals Twitter account. So uh, if you're if you're following, which again. I don't know, there, there's not, we're like at 600 and something followers on there, which seems oddly low considering how many Cardinal fans are out there. So if you would, and you're a Twitter person, at LO underscore Cardinals on Twitter, come follow along. We have a good time on there, but uh, you can see those photos for you. Um, but I, it made me think, if you could have any Cardinals player jersey who's currently on the team, Besides Alberts, because a lot of people are going to want that one. Who would you want? You can leave your answer in the comment section below or get at us on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals. Uh, Obviously, there's a ton to choose from. Yachty would be a good one. Wainwright, Arenado, Goldie. Uh, Some of the younger guys, Gorman, that'd be a cool one. I'm a big Tyler O'Neill fan. You guys know this. Uh, So he'd be an awesome one to have as well. Uh, But let me know what you guys would want down there. And if there's some old ones that you would want, uh, maybe the Willie McGee one. Willie McGee, you know, obviously still on the coaching staff. That'd be a cool one to have. Um, The Brewers, here's some more good news. Brewers also lost last night, so still a a five-and-a-half game lead in the NL Central. Day game today with Dakota Hudson on the mound against Marcus Stroman as the Cardinals try to take this five-game series before returning home. Uh, Lineup-wise, it has been posted, so uh, no Arenado, Carlson, Pujols, or Yachty in today's lineup. So uh, we'll see if the, you know, mixing it up a little bit. Getting some other guys in there will help freshen up the team just a bit because just a couple of these games where they've lost it, they just look stale. You know, it just there's not a lot of energy. So um, we'll see what happens today. All right, mailbag time. We like to uh, take your questions and comments. Uh, you you present them on YouTube, also on Twitter, and I like to go through some of them and answer a few of them each week. A lot of times, I'm already answering them. Uh, I'm typing back to you guys. Uh, I'm all about the interaction. On, on these platforms. So uh feel free to comment and send stuff in at any time. It's it's really cool. I appreciate it. So uh let's start with this one. Ryan Graber on YouTube. He asks, in all honesty, how deep of a run do you think we can make? Uh thank you Ryan. Well I tell you one thing we're about to find out how good this Cardinal team really is uh this weekend because the Atlanta Braves are coming to town and they're one of the best arguably The best team in the NL right now. Um, Top teams, obviously, you got the Dodgers out in the West. Um, I mean, how good is that team? They they lose Walker Bueller, who would be a number one ace on almost every team in the league. They lose him for the year. Clayton Kershaw has been dealing with injuries again this year, and they they don't even flinch. They're 86 and 37 on the year. Uh, Had a subpart June for them at 14 and 12, and they went 21 and 5 in July and are 18 and 4 in August so far. They're stacked. They're loaded. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner. Trey Turner, if there's somebody who's going to give Goldie a run for his money on the MVP, a name that I don't see a lot of people talking about is Trey Turner, and I don't know why. The guy just gets it done. Average, power, stolen bases, defense. He's He does everything, man. He's so good. Uh, the New York Mets, they lead the East 79-46, but they've lost six of their last ten. Um, DeGrom and Scherzer not a better duo at the top of a rotation in baseball in my opinion uh you've got diaz who's been fantastic in the closer role i was actually talking to a mets guy um over the weekend and his biggest concern he says for the team is uh the bullpen he, he's not a big fan of them and he thinks that that's where the, their their weak spot is or achilles heel is going to be there so um maybe that's something that pops up i mean i haven't seen the cardinals play the mets all that much this year i just know alonzo has been phenomenal. Uh, McNeil's been really, really good. Marte, Lindor—they got a great team in New York. So uh, obviously, they're tough. Uh, the Braves, though, right now on the on the on the the heels of the Mets, they've won three in a row, eight of their last ten. Defending champions, and uh, many people are starting to think they are the only team in the NL who could beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series. Again, um, are the Cardinals at the level of those three teams? I'd say no. Just being honest, I would say no. Um, I've seen them beat up on weaker teams over the last couple of weeks, which they should. Uh, but for most of the month, it hasn't been a tough schedule. They've been winning these games for the most part. But they're going to be put to the test this weekend when uh, Atlanta comes to Bush Stadium, which you know is good for the Cardinals because they're a much better home team than they are on a away team this year. They love playing at Bush, but um, I love the direction the team's in. Uh, there's nothing too much to complain about. Montgomery Quintana have been huge since grabbing them. If you get Jack Flaherty back and he looks like himself and he's healthy, uh, this team certainly has a shot of obviously winning the NL central, which they, they seem to the brewers look terrible. Um, they seem to kind of have that one. I don't want to say locked up, but five and a half game lead right now, closing in on the end of August. I mean, they'd really have to kind of fall into a tailspin to ruin that. But um, but a chance to go for the NL pennant, uh, you know, if you get a healthy staff like that and uh, this team has a healthy and productive Goldie and Arenado, I can you can put them up against anybody, I think. Uh, Roger from St. Louis says, love the prospect stuff you do each week and hearing about the guys in the minors. When do you think Jordan Walker will get called up and who else might be coming up in September? Uh, thank you, Roger. Uh, Walker, he's not going to get called up until next season at the earliest he's still a double a he's learning how to play the outfield right now uh his bat clearly ready for triple a because he's raking at springfield but i think they they want him to work on learning how to play the outfield at double a first before moving him up to triple a doesn't mean he can't get moved up still at some point this year to triple a it might happen but um definitely not on the major league roster this year i would assume he'll be invited to spring training camp next year and get a chance to kind of you know play with the big boys and i'd expect him to start at triple a next year and if he lights it up perhaps um he gets the call uh, i know katie Wu from the athletic let me find this real quick i know she talked about call-ups in one of her recent things and um she says she thinks they'll add a pitcher and a position player uh so flaherty and juan Yepes. she's also mentioned alec burleson but um by the way, number five prospect for the Cardinals now he's moved up on the list uh, after the reshuffling of the rankings. So she said maybe Burleson could be a guy, but uh, Flaherty and Yapes is her her bets on uh, getting called up. SDL Sports Fan ninety eight on Twitter brings up the new schedule that was released. Wants to know what my favorite parts are. I certainly think it's cool that next year everyone plays each other. I think that's awesome. The interleague schedule goes from twenty games to forty six, so everybody plays everybody next year. They'll open up at home against Toronto. Uh, You've got the International Series over in London in June against the Cubs. That's cool. Um, As far as games at Bush Stadium, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and the Angels come to Bush at the beginning of May, assuming they're both still on the team at that point. I've never gotten to see Otani play live yet. I've seen Trout, which was nice. Um, Astros and Yankees will be at Bush. I just like the idea that everybody gets to play everybody now so that cities can see more teams and players that they normally would have never gotten to see before they're all going to get to see them play live. So I think that's, that's pretty awesome. All right. Last one. Uh, let's go back to Twitter on this one. will asked, did you see the guys, uh, did you see the guy with the hot dog straw drinking a beer in New York? Yes. Thoughts, please love the show. All right. Thank you. Will. and yes, I did see this, this madman uh, as, as the only way I can describe, I don't get it. I don't understand the weirdness of sticking your hot dog in the beer. We saw, I think it was earlier this year, and I think it was New York too, where the guy had the hot dog and he was dunking it in his beer and then eating it. What? First of all, I don't know how expensive beers are at Yankee Stadium. I, I can't imagine they're cheap. Um, 15 bucks maybe, somewhere in that vicinity. But that's a lot of effort. Like this new guy, he so if you didn't see the video, he takes his straw and he sticks it in the hot dog. And like makes a like hollows it out, and makes a hole. And then he puts the hot dog in the beer and starts drinking the beer through the hot dog like it's a straw. I it's just not worth it to me. That's way too much effort. All you got to do if you want the flavor of your beer or beverage and your hot dog, you do what I do. I, I already do this because I like it to anyway, it, it softens things up. But anyway, I take a bite of the hot dog and then I take a swig of my soda or my beer or whatever the hell it is I'm drinking that day. And that way you can mix the flavors. It softens up the bread and it's nice. I like to do it that way, but I'm not dunking it. I'm not making a straw out of my hot dog either. That's nonsense. Just bite into the hot dog, swig the beer. If you want to mix it up, <laughs> weird stuff, man. People are, people are odd. People are odd. Okay, Uh, that'll wrap it up for the mailbag. Uh, Thank you guys for uh, all the questions and comments and stuff. Again, continue to put them in. Each week we'll do this mailbag, and each week I'll I'll go through different videos and find different questions that maybe I haven't answered yet below. But for the most part, I try to get back to you guys as soon as I can on those. Uh, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen. Now make your second listen The Locked on MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast Locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Cards and Cubs wrapping up today at Wrigley. It's Hudson on the mound, and it's back home this weekend against the Braves. We'll discuss that series in depth tomorrow. Uh, as always, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Oh, by the way, YouTube, you guys did it. We got over uh, 1,500 subscribers yesterday, so keep it up. Tell other Cardinal fans that we're here for them. If uh, they haven't caught on to Locked on Cardinals on YouTube or the podcast version, the more the merrier, man. Lots of room on the on the bandwagon here for Cardinal fans. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio on Twitter as well. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and we'll see you next time right here on Locked on Cardinals.